TheOAMNetwork.com. Power to the podcast. This is Josh Spickler, Executive Director of Just City. We're a nonprofit criminal justice reform organization based in Memphis, Tennessee. You're listening to The Permanent Record, a weekly conversation about the justice system and how we can work together to make it work better for everyone. Last year, the Veer Institute of Justice released a report showing that the female jail population has increased an alarming 14-fold from less than 8,000 to almost 110,000 between 1970 and 2014. It's been growing at a faster rate than any other correctional population. Shelby County is no different. Every morning, nearly 250 women wake up at the Shelby County Women's Jail. They're separated from their families, unable to work, and waiting for their day in court, all while innocent in the eyes of the law. In response to this, a group of activists in 20 cities across the country launched an action designed to highlight the problem. Culminating on Mother's Day, the Black Mamas Bailout Campaign, led by Color of Change and Black Lives Matter groups, successfully bailed out more than 100 women and raised more than $1 million. For this episode of The Permanent Record, we sat down with two of those activists. Erica Perry is a Nashville native and recently passed the Tennessee bar exam. She was part of a group of women who led the local Black Mamas bailout effort. Erica joined us right after Mother's Day to tell us about the experience. We're here with Erica Perry, newly minted lawyer, Nashville native, who has been involved in the official Black Lives Matter chapter of Memphis Action to bail out black mamas. Welcome, Erica. Hey, thank you so much for having me. You and several other folks have been really busy for most of April and May planning this action and now executing it. Tell us uh, about the inspiration for bailing out women for Mother's Day. What what organizations have been involved, and uh, how did you get involved, and, and, and tell us what happened. Yeah, so um, I'll just go. So in January, we were planning to um, do some actions on, on Inauguration Day to show how disappointed and to resist Donald Trump. And so um, we were. I was on a call, and my friend um, told me, I was explaining what our, our chapter was going to do, and I mentioned that we were involved in bail reform. And so she's like, hey, um, there's a convening in January um, at the end of the month on bail reform. And so we went, and from there— Where um, was that? Where was the w- convening? It was in Atlanta, in Atlanta, Georgia. So the Movement for Black Lives and the Color of Change hosted a convening uh, to get people— uh, of people interested in and organizations interested in bail reform. And so Mary Hooks um, from the co-director of Southerners on New Ground um, mentioned that she was interested in bailing mothers out of jail for Mother's Day. What and a great think, idea. Yeah, it was beautiful. So so um, like a number of us committed um, and started working on that in like January, February. Um, and it was about, I think it started out with about eight of us. And since then it's grown. Um, but we said, Hey, we already ready. We're interested in working on bell reform. And we were excited to use uh, the mother's day bell out as uh, our launching. Why bail? Why bail reform and, and why local jails? What did you discover or already know about mm-hmm. that, that needed this kind of attention? Yeah, so a couple of things. I know for me personally, I externed at the public defender's office while I was in law school about 
I think it was 2015. And so uh, I, I noticed that there were a number of people who were in jail because they couldn't pay like $100 or $500 to get out. Um, and so I also already knew, I think as, us as a chapter, we recognized that um, bail, the, the the role that it plays in mass incarceration, right? So people are taking plea deals. Um, it's more difficult for them to um, be a, participate in their trial. They're losing their jobs. And so a lot of us were excited to hop on that and to, and to, and for that to be kind of like our first fight um, in, in our fight against mass incarceration. Yeah, and and a, and a great one it was. So as a, as a young lawyer with just a few weeks' experience <laughs> yeah. now uh, in the criminal justice system, what was the most surprising thing you learned about the way bail works uh, in in jail specifically? As you went to begin to bail those women out, mm-hmm. what is the most surprising thing uh, that you learned that you didn't already know? I think the most surprising and the most disappointing thing for me was that there were so many people who were in jail who don't have a, a, an attorney, right? So. Um, there are people, I, I remember one case, there was a young lady who, um, she was in, she didn't, she, she did, she wasn't sure about where her charges are. I mean, it was complicated. And then at the same time, she had a, a very high bail and she couldn't afford a, an attorney. And so she's asking the judge, Hey, I don't understand my charges and I can't afford an attorney. And so, um, the judge was like, well, um, have your lawyer explain it to you. And so her case was reset for, um, for another week. And she said, well, we'll, we'll assign you an attorney in a week. And so this lady is going to be in jail. She had already been in there for a week. She'll be in there another week without an attorney, without any money to pay for bail. And so that was the most surprising, um, to me. Yeah. And so when you bailed these women out, you, um, I believe we heard bailed out eight uh, mm-hmm. women in total. Um, what other kinds of supports did you provide after after they were released? Yeah, so there was another part. Um, so a number of the women were, they, they had either lost their jobs or they were in the process of going through a training program. One specifically was working on her CDL. And so we what we've done is um, try to connect them with caseworkers and different um, social service providers. Right now we're looking for permanent housing or long-term housing and um, and treatment programs for the um, the mothers who are like struggling with some type of addiction or some type of mental health um, issue. And so um, the truth is like jail, um, the jail cannot handle a number of the people and, and the issues that they're dealing with. And what so, do you mean? Give us an example. Right. So mental health. Right. So um, one of the women we bailed out is um, is dealing with bipolar. Um, she, she's bipolar. And so the jail only uh, made it worse. Right. Um, and so um, and so we knew that the jail was only making her problem worse. They couldn't help her. Um, so we thought it was best to get her out and find her a more permanent program that could actually help her. um help stabilize her. And so, um, yeah. And the other thing we were finding out is it's even some of the women we couldn't bail out, but just in meeting with them and talking with them is that people were, some of the, um, the issues that people were, um, accused of were like quality of, of life crimes, right. Looking for food, um, shelter, things like that. And so it was just disappointing to see, um, how people are criminalized for simply trying to survive and then incarcerated for that because they can't afford to pay their bail. Yeah. What, for example, what was the highest bond, single bond you guys made? Yeah. The highest one we made was $8,000. And so what was the most serious offense encompassed by that? 
So um, I think the most serious was like aggravated burglary. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you've, you've, you've jumped a, a ahead in some of my questions and, and done a great no and done a great job of giving me some stories and that was one of the questions and so is there just maybe one more story that particularly struck you um that that you'd like to share yeah i think um so one uh, when i think about strong advocacy i think about an attorney called us a couple of um like we we called him we let him know we were we intended to bail out one of his uh, clients and so he called us the next day and he's like hey i have another client that i think you can bail out and we were excited um but their bail the person's bail was $15,000 and we knew we couldn't afford it and so um he talked to us and he let us know that he would um they would have a hearing and he would try to get it reduced and so what ended up happening which was like amazing to me was um and just goes to show how what what strong advocacy could be he actually was able to get her um released on her own recognizance and so i thought so that they, was, they just eliminated the the bond entirely yeah which means they could have done that in the first place right that's exactly what it means <laughs> and so which is sad too because right after her another lady came up who didn't have an attorney and so it just made me it was it's really sad um and and so yeah there's a lot of work there's a lot of work for us to do. Those who believe in justice and those yeah. who believe that people's value, um, life matters and have value. Um, we have a lot of work to do around bail reform. Yeah. And just like you've been doing this whole interview, my next question, what's next? What do you plan to do personally? And, and what would you like to work on the most within a system that you've been immersed in over the past few weeks? Yeah. So for our chapter, I think what's next is where we've, We've requested meeting requested to meet with the district attorney, um, the chief judge um, in Shelby County, and then also our county commissioners and our um, city council. And so what we're asking them to do is reduce the ways in which we use money bail um, with our goal being to abolish money bail, um, starting out for misdemeanors. Right. But we want to move towards abolishing bail overall because it punishes people um, for being poor. Wow, that's uh, no small task, but uh, we appreciate you joining us today, Erica. That's great work. Congratulations to all of you, and thanks so much for coming on The Permanent Record. Thank you so much. Arissa Hall is the project manager with the National Bail Fund Network. She works at the Brooklyn Community Bail Fund and helped organize the National Mama's Bailout Day. We talked to Arissa last week in Brooklyn. I'm with Arissa Hall in Brooklyn, New York. She's the project manager with the National Bail Fund Network, which is housed at the Brooklyn Community Bail Fund, and she helped organize the National Mama's Bailout Day, for which uh, Memphis was a site, a partner site. So, uh, Arissa, we know a little bit about the uh, gathering in Atlanta from which this project arose. Tell us more about uh, the national movement uh, that, that has led to this and sort of the work that is underway at, as a result of the, uh, the National Mama's Bailout Project or action. Yeah. Um, so we, it was already prior to us learning about the idea, um, I guess it was already a national movement um, in motion because the people that were at the convening came from throughout the U.S., Um, And that's where we learned about and brainstormed about bail reform. And the convening was hosted in Atlanta in the end of January. 
um, and it was hosted by the Movement for Black Lives Policy Table and also Color of Change. Um, and this was just black-led organizations or black folks that work in organizations that are interested in bail. And when thinking through how can we have an intervention or work through bail reform, um, Mary Hooks offered from Southerners on the Ground, she offered up the idea of a bailout and in which folks just thought it was cool and wanted to mobilize around it. Yeah, what do you know about uh, black women in particular held in jails across America? Yeah. What's the situation? It's, so it's about 44% of black women are currently held in jails. 44% of yeah. the jail population yeah. for women yeah. is black. Yes. Um, and and in, um, that's ever increasing as the highest demographic of gender, well, gender demographic um, that's increasing is women. So women, as like men, as we see the trend kind of stabilizing, um, we see that women are being um, increasingly incarcerated throughout the U.S. How many cities, how many partner sites did you end up having? And then again, just the, the goal was to do this around Mother's Day, right? Yes, yes. And how many cities? Um, we have around... 13, 13, 14 cities, um, and we've predominantly it's been in the South, um, but we've also had East Coast, New York City did it, and also California as well, um, but it's been predominantly in the South. Do you have a sense uh, yet, uh, we're recording this very soon after the project ended, do you have a sense of how many women were built out across right. the country? Well, I'll have a, have a heart number at the end of the week, but it's over 100. Um, we, when we initially spoke about it, we thought it would be around 30. Wow. Um, but it is over 100. We've seen like pop-up solidarity actions where people have just been inspired by this. It was like, you know what, I have funds and I'm willing to bail out Mama as well. Um, like we just heard about someone in New Orleans that bailed out a mother like just because they were inspired. This is an individual? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Do you have a sense of how much money you raised and, and used to bail women out? Yeah, so we've raised over $1, mil $1 million. Our original budget was 380000 So nearly three times. Yeah. Um, and we used 380000 for bail. Yes. That's great. And so I know it's early and you, you don't even have full numbers yet, but what are some of the plans underway across the country to continue uh, focus on bail? Yeah, well, because we're a couple of days out, um, the collective will be having a vote tomorrow, um, and we will be deciding whether or not we're going to have another national bailout around another significant holiday or date. Um, if we, when we begin this bailout day, we want it to be really intentional about also like redistribution of resources, um, particularly to local grassroots organizations, and particularly those in the South. Um, so we want to see if like that, if folks want, and for them to continue around um, fighting against mass incarceration. So that's another option in addition to, um, we recognize that a lot of these women need support services. Um, so being able to provide supportive services from housing to mental health um, services. 
And so around the country, in 13 cities or more, you, you spent more than $300,000. Did you have, or did you hear of any stories of resistance from, from criminal justice systems, from judges, from uh, prosecutors, or anything like that? Um, we've heard interesting stories of resistance um, in Montgomery, I mean, well, not in Montgomery, in Birmingham. Um, we heard that people were not as helpful. We rely a lot on like public defenders to be able to identify mamas, um, and we just heard that they weren't as helpful as they probably could have been. Um, we've heard in St. Petersburg, Florida, that um, there were just weird cases of like folks getting to jails to visit moms to ask for their consent to be bailed out, and like all of a sudden, like they can't, like, the organizers can't visit. Um, so just, like, interesting stories like that that we've heard. Let's talk a little bit about um, the National Bail Fund Network, mm -hmm. which is housed here at Brooklyn Community Bail Fund. How long have you been working with the National Bail Fund Network? For six months now. And we started in, it started in September, I started in October. What's the goal? What's the purpose of the, of the National Network of Bail Funds? Yeah, I mean, I think the purpose is to mobilize bail funds across the U.S. I think people, and I think also what was the beauty about this this project is like this has become sort of an alternative bail fund, um, um, the National Mama's Bailout Day, and just the way that it is hopefully will be revolved and like we collected our resources and energies to bail folks out. Um, but with the bail, with the bail fund, we specifically want to like highlight the way bail funds have always been an intervention um, within the criminal justice system and also to mobilize bail funds across the U.S. Um, to end cash bail, which is our ultimate goal. Um, in bail funds, we recognize are just an essential intervention. We don't think that it's a solution, but we do see it as harm reduction. Um, and we do think that they have a place in being able to to be on that road. To drive change. Right, yeah. Of the yeah. yeah, and I think like, because bail funds are still predominantly new idea for folks, um, having a national network to bring people together will like make it seem like there's not as much isolation as we may think, and we have resources, and we are also able to offer up our strategic thought partnership as well, um, and ways to um, harness our collective power. And because in, in working at the Bellfoot Network and in working on this project, recognize how Bell works so differently depending on jurisdictions. Yeah. yeah, that was the point I was just about to make, is that it, it's a very local issue, and we've seen that a national network, as you say, sort of elevates the conversation and, and brings the message, which is not unique, right. uh, together for everyone. Right. Yeah. Um, so you, it's housed at the Brooklyn Community Bail Fund. Uh, tell us a little bit about that bail fund. I know it's really large. Is it the largest in the country? It is the largest revolving bail fund in the country. So how many people have, has it bailed out in its history? From the last time I checked, it was over about over 1,300, and we've been in existence since April of 2015, I believe. So a lot of people on a, a short amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. And most of the referrals come from public defenders in Brooklyn. Yeah, right? but we pay bail in Brooklyn and Manhattan, um, and also in Staten Island. Wow. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, 
think we can probably, I might want to ask a little bit about you um, and all this. So, um, Arisa, where are you from originally? I'm originally from Long Island. Um, local girl. Local girl, yes. Uh, my family lives about 45 minutes away from here. Um, How did you land in the, in the bail world? Well, I mean, I've always been an organizer. I've always considered myself an organizer first and foremost. I have started cop watch teams in my neighborhood in Brooklyn. Um, I have, I'm one of the founding members of Black Youth Project 100 in New York City, the New York City chapter. So I've always been inclined to do social justice work. Um, and when I like I needed a job, and I was coming back from South Africa. I was in South Africa for the summer. Um, I was doing work around um, land rights. I was doing research for a women's legal center in Johannesburg in Cape Town, um, and doing specifically around land rights, sex workers' rights. Um, and then I, I saw this and was like, this is cool, and recognizing just like the collateral consequences of bail. And so that's how I kind of yeah. got into it. And now a million dollars and a hundred women later, right. uh, created a, you've created a little bit of a momentum on this. So, um, well, what's next for uh, this particular project? You mentioned possibly uh, doing another uh, event focused on a day or a holiday. Mm -hmm. um, are, are there any... Uh, are there any lawmakers and policymakers involved in yeah. this currently? And, or do you have plans to sort of leverage that? Yeah, well, we definitely want to leverage that because in specific places where this has taken place, such as in California, for example, they are trying for like big bail reform pushes. Um, they're also seeing the bail bonds industry as a huge opponent to bail reform. Um, so they have a petition going on on color change um, to basically address the bail bond industry and its effect um, on our communities as well as predatory uh, pre presence. Um, and then in Houston, where they have just won also like big bail reforms, um, we're seeing Texas Organizing Project, which led the Mama's Bailout Day in Houston, also leverage the bill out to further push on those reforms as well. So we have we have things happening. Philly did a bailout as well, which we also know um, is a MacArthur city. Um, so we are it's definitely safety and justice. Yes, yes, yes. So we are out here um, trying to speak specifically as bail funds do and as this bailout speaks specifically recognizes as a national epidemic, but also speaks specifically to like the local jurisdictions. Of course, yeah. of course. All the way down to Nashville and Memphis, Tennessee. Yeah. Arissa, uh, thank you so much for spending a few minutes with us and describing uh, this important work. Thank you guys for your leadership on it, and thank uh, you. good luck in the future. Thank you. That was Erica Perry and Arissa Hall in conversation and on the permanent record. My thanks to Erica and Arissa for their time this week. In our next episode, we'll be speaking with State Representative Ramesh Ackberry about her work in the Tennessee General Assembly this year. We'll talk to her about what we can do to make criminal record expungements cheaper and easier to obtain. We had some real wins in the legislature this session, but we've got a long way to go. We look forward to talking with Representative Ackberry about what comes next. Special thanks to the OAM Network and to Jeff Hewlett for his original song, She Got Gone. 
our theme music for The Permanent Record. I'm Josh Spickler, and this is The Permanent Record, a production of Just City and the OAM Network. Please learn more about our work at justcity.org and follow us on Facebook and Twitter at JustCity901. Make sure you're subscribing to The Permanent Record on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. In a Just City, we listen and we speak up. Our thanks to you for doing both.